have a, a guest today, and, uh, and that's a preview of what's to come. Uh, we have a guest today who is, uh, who's been with us since Friday evening, but if you haven't gotten a chance to get to know him, or maybe you haven't uh, seen some of the information we uh, sent out about him in advance, I just wanted to, uh, or you slept since then, I wanted to kind of let you know uh, who it is that we're inviting to share with us today. His name is Todd Brashler, and many of you like to go to Branson and uh, so you may be familiar with the name from there. His family had a show there for many years and uh, comes from a family of, of musicians. And God has gifted Todd as a musician, but also has gifted and given him a, a passion in his heart for uh, other kinds of ministry as well. And so he, he ministers through uh, conferences and retreats all across the country and also works with um, men on an individual basis, whether they're in, in ministry or just uh, longing to grow spiritually. Uh, Todd comes alongside them and, and helps them kind of, he says, excavate, to borrow his word, excavate what God has put in them and that just needs to be uncovered a little bit. And so he works with them in that process and has worked in the state of Louisiana a lot. He loves hunting and fishing and all that sort of thing, so maybe that's why he fits in in the sportsman's paradise. I don't know. But uh, he's enjoyed coming here a lot and, and sharing with our, our men and our, and our camp down at, at Pollock and in other places as well across the state. And I think you'll be blessed by what he shares with us today, just as we've been blessed this weekend already. And so with all that said, we'll invite Todd to come and share with us in song. Then our kids will be dismissed, and, and then he'll share a message with us as well. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you this weekend. I so much enjoyed uh, the group that was with us here on Friday and Saturday, if you were not able to be with us, man, you just missed, if nothing else, a wonderful, wonderful experience of fellowship. Thank you. Thank you to so many who are here today who are with us. This weekend we talked about, if God has a dream and a vision for my life, how in the world am I supposed to know it? I mean, if he's clear up in heaven, as we understand, and, and uh, you know, things are, things are different around here that I, I, don't, I don't know maybe exactly what God wants for me, how do I find out? Because the Bible says he does have a vision and a dream for you. Regardless of your age, it doesn't end at retirement. It's an ongoing uh, vision that God holds. So thank you to so many who were able to come this weekend. Pastor Neil and the leadership here for hosting this weekend. I told them in 20 years of singing and speaking in churches, Louisiana is the state I have been to the most of any other state in the United States. I, never, I didn't think about that until I, you know, I started thinking back to Camp Pollock in about 2002 and I met Pastor Rocky East down where it used to be at Westlake, and he introduced me to so many people, and I've been all over this state. So thank you so much. I remember when I was in Satana, Kansas years ago, and their church, if you've ever been out in Kansas, is right across a dirt road from a feedlot. There are 30,000 head of cows right across the feedlot. And boy, when the wind is right and they open the doors of that church, let me tell you... That'll take your breath away. <laughs> I turned to somebody and I said, how do you get used to the smell? And he said, hey, buddy, around here, that's the smell of money. Well, 
The wind is blowing just right here in West Monroe today. <laughs> I noticed that there is a, a definite West Monroe odor outside today from this uh, paper mill. And I'm sure many of you would say, oh no, that's the smell of money around here. So I'm going to jump in and enjoy it with you today. I bring you greetings from the mountains of the Ozarks up in Branson. My wife and I have lived there just about a year and a half. I've been in ministry in the Church of God as an associate for 32 years, but just recently moved back to Branson to be closer to my parents and my siblings and my wife's family, and so we are thoroughly enjoying that. But thank you for the opportunity to be with you here today, and I'm just praying that God would incredibly speak to you today through whatever He's asked me to share this passage kind of uh, lines us out here today. Oh, your screens are up here. It says, But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. I want to talk to you today about the impossible that God may have for you. Whether you believe it or not, whether you would even accept it or not. It's like a gift that has been given to you that may have not been accessed yet. Well, I don't know about Louisiana. Uh, I, I grew up in Tampa, Florida. My dad was a pastor down there, and, and I was scared to death to swim down there, maybe like you guys around here because of so many alligators. But this was a place we used to love to go. This was Seely's Lake, and uh, there were some people in our church that always let us come out and swim and I remember uh, my, my, my younger siblings. I'm the oldest of four kids. I have a sister and two younger brothers. And man, when we pulled up to their house, my siblings and my dad all ran off the dock and jumped in. Well, I was no dummy. I'd gone to school. I'd heard people tell me what the waters are like in Florida, infested with alligators, I thought. And so when they all jumped in the water, I stood up on the dock. I said, I'm not jumping in that water. And my dad said, oh, come on, come on, jump in, it's great, you're going to love it. Well, I grew up swimming in a swimming pool. And in Florida, maybe like here, the cypress juice from the trees makes the water like a wine color. You can't see below the surface of the water. So I'm like, how do you know an alligator's not just right under you? I'm not jumping in that water. And my dad was out in the water, he was like, come on, come on, jump in, this is awesome today. And I was like, no way, I am not jumping in that water. My dad swam up to the dock. He motioned me over next to that ladder you see there. He said, hey, have I ever asked you to try something that actually hurt you on purpose? Have I ever asked you to try something that, or be a part of something that you, you're not familiar with and it hurt you? I was in about third grade, you know, I was like, no. He said, well, do you think for some reason I'm going to start now? No. He said, all right. I'm here to tell you this is a blast and you should jump in. When you do, I'll catch you. And you can swim with me until you're ready to swim around. So he backs up. He goes, all right, come on, take a, drum, take a run and jump in toward me. Man, I just did about as fast as I could and piled in. I thought for sure he's going to drop me. He didn't. He caught me, and he was right. That water was awesome. And from that day on, I was never afraid to swim in the waters in Florida. Now, I'm not so sure about Louisiana after hearing some stories around here, but I did in Florida. Isn't it amazing that 
We often have, a, have some, uh, some outs in our pocket anytime we are challenged to do something we've never been a part of. It is amazing to me how many excuses and reasons why I can't. I have right beside me. I think of them all the time. And uh, today's topic in, in our talk today is going to be about this idea. What I find out is that in our efforts to keep from consequences, from discomfort, from challenge, we often scramble for an alternative plan for someone to blame or a better idea. There was a guy in the scriptures that had this issue. We know him as Moses. This is a, an account of Moses back in Exodus chapter 4, if you have your Bible with you, verses 1 through 15. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you know the story. Uh, God comes to Moses and asks him to be the deliverer of the people of Israel. And he wants him to go back into the, uh, to the uh, community of Egypt and, and uh, uh, rescue his children and bring them out. And Moses, I have chosen you. And Moses didn't believe it. And this scene is at the burning bush and, and God is speaking to him and giving him this command and giving him the Ten Commandments. But he's talking directly to Moses. As Moses, he didn't buy in it. I'm in chapter, Exodus chapter 4. Uh, verse 1 through 14. I'm not going to read the entire thing here. We'll see here. Moses answered to the question, Will you let my people go? Will you save my people? Well, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? The Lord did not appear to you. And then the Lord said to him, Well, what is that in your hand? A staff, he said. He replied. The Lord said, Well, throw it on the ground. And you know the story, the staff turns into a snake. And then he says, and stick your hand in your, in your coat pocket. And he pulled it out and it had leprosy all over it. And he said, put it back in your coat pocket, or in your coat, and, and the hand turned back to normal. He took the water from the Nile and he turned it into blood. I mean, he proved that he was in control. God did. But Moses just was a, a weakling. We pick it up in verse 10 or so. It says, But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who do you think made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Oh, have you ever had said something out of your mouth to try to prove your point and then the person has a better point than yours? Yeah, that's kind of where Moses was here. We pick it up. It says, it, uh, Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh Lord, please send somebody else. The anger of the Lord then was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well, God said. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. I mean, can you imagine the audacity of standing at the voice and the presence of the Lord and arguing? And yet, that's kind of what we do, isn't it? Especially when it's stuff that doesn't fit in with our plan. It's a, a calling or a situation that God places us in that we just don't feel like it's our kind of thing. You know, we're not any good at it. There's a high probability we're going to fail. God, oh, let me hear me quickly. God loves to put us in circumstances where we must depend on Him. 
And why we feel so compelled to manage our situation instead of letting God, I'm sure frustrates him to no end. Benjamin Franklin once said, He that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. Boy, if that's a truth, I've often not been good for much of anything else. When I was a kid, we used to get together with family, like coming up here in a couple of weeks for Christmas, and we loved to play card games. And one of the card games I always loved was uh, the Ace of Spades. Anybody ever played that game before? We don't play games here. Okay, good. Well, well, we used to play this game, and the idea was that you pass out all the cards to everyone, and then whoever has the aces has the strongest cards. And the ace of spades was the strongest card in the whole deck. And so everybody gets their cards all in their hands, and and then you begin laying down uh, the first person, and then the second, and second, and all the way around. And if uh, if you have hearts, and you have the ace of hearts, you're hoping it goes all the way around, and you win that pile of cards. And how many piles of cards you win determines the winner, unless you have the aces or the spades. You have the ace of spades. You have the strongest card. What was interesting is that you could open up your hand and you could have a ton of hearts and high cards with uh, kings and queens and princes on the faces and aces and other suits and you might have a plan. But as soon as you lay that down and somebody lays a spade on top of it, it's all over with. As long as they had a spade in their pocket, they could thwart your plan at any moment. And boy, if they had the ace of spades, they won the whole thing. There was no one that could overtake the ace. I've thought about that game a lot when it comes to my life as a believer in Jesus. I mean, I've been since I was about eight years old. And I I would hate to count the number of excuses I've had why God can't use me. How often uh, is that for you? How normal is that for you to think... uh, uh, of the times of this mindset that, that my excuses can actually trump God when it comes to being a follower of Him or even becoming a follower of Jesus. My excuses of why I can't. You know, when I ask people, well, why, why don't you go to church? Oh, there's a lot of hypocrites there. Really? Well, why can't you do this? Well, I, I'm, I'm too old. Uh, you know, I don't have the energy I used to. Or I'm, I'm too young. You know, I don't know enough yet. God can't quite use me yet. I'm not, I'm not ready. Or maybe, maybe that, that phrase that comes across your mind is, well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, I found that to be a total lie. Maybe for some of us, the reason that we use to trump anything that God would bring our way, I'm a woman. I don't have a Bible memorized. I've never done that before. That's not my gift. I wasn't raised in the church. Maybe my parents were alcoholics, or I've been divorced, or I'm a child of divorce, or I've just never been trained to do that or be a part of that. What's interesting is that Scripture counteracts almost anything we can come up with I don't know if God planned it that way or not, but how many times have I been writing on what my reason was, why I shouldn't be involved or I can't be a part of that. And then I read something in God's Word, it goes, ah, God thinks otherwise. Check with me here 
in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. Scripture is full of these ideas of, of people who would try to alter God's vision and plan for them. We read these words. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. This continues. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth, for to all whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. You know, I'm finding in my own life, and maybe you can relate to this, that one of Satan's greatest ploys is to keep me away from God's vision and plan. In fact, he, under, he mixes up things with me to think that somehow um, his greatest plan lies in, hum, in humanity is the concept of the comfort zone. The comfort zone. It is, a, it is somehow I have understood that God will always lead me to a place that I'm comfortable. Some of you are completely irre irreversibly uncomfortable in church. You ever ask yourself why? What is it about going to church that just makes me want to crawl in a shell? What is it about meeting new people that makes me, uh, makes me very nervous? These are the kinds of things that God challenges and lays before us. And we have to stop and wonder sometimes, why do I feel that way? One of the reasons I feel is that I've somehow decided that comfort, my comfort zone, what, I'm, what I like and what I don't like, is, is a healthy place to be. And as we talked about this weekend, that couldn't be farther from the truth. In fact... This little slide says, here's your comfort zone. Here's where life and the magic really happens. It's over here. It's not where you have control of everything. It's not where you have the choice and it all sifts through you and me. In the Old Testament in Isaiah, uh, chapter 42, I believe it is, verse 16, it says, And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light and rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. You know, a true friend will really do that for you. I remember one time when I was a kid, I was in high school actually playing football, and uh, Joe uh, Stammers up in St. James, Missouri is our quarterback, and we, went, we decided to go to a movie over in Rolla, Missouri, where I, was, I went to high school in St. James, Missouri, and uh, so Joe and I decided to go to a movie, and we chose for some reason an incredibly freaky, scary movie. I mean, freaking scary movie. And we got out of that place, and I mean, we were just like, huddled, come here. We were, we were, here's how we walked to the car. We were kind of like, uh, let's, uh, let's make our way to the back. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't walk with you because I can't see anything over you. You're too tall. Joe was a little shorter guy, so I could see both ways. But, I mean, we were petrified. So we get in the car. It's about a 15-mile drive back to the house. And when I get to his house, I swear to you, his house looked like the house in the movie. The bushes in the front and the white pillars and the porch and all. I was like, oh my goodness. 
he turned to me and he goes, you mind walking me to the door? And I was like, dude, I rode with you. I, you got to take me to my house first. So I actually walked him to the door and I took his car home. I drive to my house and pull up in the driveway. Of course, it's like 1 in the morning, pitch black dark, everybody's asleep. And my house happens to be clear down in the basement through the, through the laundry area of our basement in an old a wood furnace my folks had in the basement. And it's pitch black dark. And when I turn the lights on in the basement, the ball goes boom! Just like that. <laughs> I want to tell you, I had hair back then and all of it was standing on end. I was like, oh my goodness. True friends, they'll walk along with you. Not so much with Joe, Stam Joe Stammers. He didn't come to my house. This scripture says, anything that is unfamiliar to you, God says, I promise I'm going to walk right along with you. If you ever feel like you're in an uncertain circumstance, maybe it's a job interview to a new, uh, new situation, maybe it's a new class or a new school, or maybe it's, uh, 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 we just uh, took a dear friend of mine and she was able to move into an assisted living area. Her husband had passed away, Sir Ada, Ada Michael from Harrison, Arkansas. And, and when we got there, man, she was nervous as a cat. And I remember saying to her, hey, Ada, do you remember that passage in Isaiah that talks about that God walks with us? What does it say? I will lead you, I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In past, they have never known before. I will guide them. And I will turn the darkness, the unknown, into light. I will make the unknown familiar. I'll make the rough places easier to walk. These are the things I will do, and I will not forsake them. Wow, I, I don't know about you, but I love people who make promises and keep them. I do. Pastor Neil uh, and I, I met yesterday, Friday, is that just, wow, two days ago. <laughs> I drove down from Branson and I, we connected with email and text and so forth. I said, I'm going to be here at such and such a time. He said, I'll be there too. And guess what? I pulled into this church. You know what I found? He was here waiting on me. I love people who make promises and keep them. And my Heavenly Father is one of those kind of people. He makes promises and plans to keep them. Look further with me in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. I got it on there? Whoop, I didn't miss it. There we go. Oh. Get the right scripture on here. Now I got it. Joshua 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, it's an interesting thing that is a byproduct of, of a person who goes to an excuse first. Uh, I've been thinking about this even in my own life. This, this, this uh, evidence that I've got the tendency to make excuses in my life is, I believe that my plan, I can count on it more than yours. And I'll even say that to God sometimes. God, my plan's better than yours. Why? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this thing fixed, God, because I don't want to go through the pain. And maybe God has some pain for you to endure for a while. Maybe He has something to show you you have no idea 
about. Perhaps my pride, whether in a boastful manner or in a shrinking back, I'm fearful manner, often is the root of this kind of thinking. There are a few myths this morning I want you to see. And you have some notes in your worship folder if you want to look at these with me. Some myths about excuses that I'm finding in my own life. Maybe you can relate. The first one is this. Somehow I've bought the lie that an excuse is a shortcut away from pain or discomfort or consequences. Maybe you're being asked to study for a hard test, guys up here in the front row, and, and you go, yeah, I just don't have time. Or, you know, this is the only night it's good weather. You know, the fishing is going to be good. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go do that first. I've got excuses why I can't get my homework done. And, and I feel somehow that that's going to make me a better student to, to do that homework later on. Man. It is such a lie. It is such a lie. When, when you feel prompted to talk to someone, maybe a guest that comes in your church today even, you feel prompted, maybe I should welcome them rather than just go plunk down in my seat. And then you go, yeah, well, somebody will get them. You know, somebody else, they'll sit on the other side. They don't know me. They don't want to talk to old, per- old person anyway or whatever. A shortcut. A second myth I found in my life is that excuses are a path to return to peace. I have this longing in me to just keep things nice and sweet and not hurried and uh, familiar. That's why how many of you today are proudly seated in your seat? Go ahead, raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. Because we like routine and comfort. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But let's make sure that we don't use it as the definition of why God has us here. How many of you, let's take it one step further. How many of you parked in the same spot you always do when you come to church? Yeah, probably, yeah. See, look how, look how our tendency is to find familiar, to find a routine that works for us. And sometimes we use that as an excuse just to stay comfortable and be in the places we know. Unfortunately, that's a myth. Lastly, for now, excuses bring about a positive result. Hmm. I, have this, I have this idea that if I can make enough excuses, uh, that I'll, I'll end up with what I really want in the end, something that really is exciting for me. And unfortunately, that is not so much true. Hmm. There are some truths, however, about excuses. Let's go there quickly before we wrap up here today. There are some truths about excuses. Number one, they make me compromise my integrity. Sometimes when our first excuse doesn't quite have the impact we want on somebody, we make up another one to make it even more. Well, I, you know, I couldn't be there because of this and this and this. And, you know, okay, that's, that's why. And uh, we, we, we somehow want to make sure that somebody didn't, knew that we made some effort or whatever it might be. Excuses are easy to come by. But unfortunately, they begin to compromise our real character. Uh, number two, excuses uh, cause me to miss... God's vision. I jumped too many here. Let's try that one. Yeah. They caused me to somehow miss God's vision and plan. You know, the people that we admire in the Bible are all people who went through difficulty. Either by someone else's choice, like the Israelites in the Babylonian captivity, 
or by their own choices like King David and others. What's interesting is the people that we admire the most are the people who show us how to endure tragedy and pain. So where in our thinking do we think that it's better for us if we can avoid it? When God may be forming a testimony through you for someone else, but if I use an excuse to sidestep it, that story will never be told. That opportunity will never be given. I often wonder if God were to ever rewrite another Bible. I don't know if that's in His plan or not. But if it were... If he were going to rewrite a Bible about people who go to church who were followers of his, would my name be included in some way? Because the people that were in the Bible were people just like us. They were just people going to church and trying to follow the Lord and do their best. And God shows some of the most incredible, dynamic people in the midst of just regular old churchgoers to write his Bible about. And I just always thought, hmm, if God were to ever come back and write a Bible about the testimonies of people who went through difficult situations, went through unfamiliar territory, went through unforeseen challenges, and stayed not only true to God, but even became stronger, would you and I be nominated for that writing? And lastly, a truth about excuses. Next to last, actually. Well, I'll get this right. There we go. They trump the person I most likely desire to be. That's an absolute truth about excuses. When I can make excuses because I'm managing today, I often mess up the person God has for me tomorrow. I have no idea sometimes what that really looks like. And I have no idea how God is working in today. But if I keep trying to sidestep anything I don't like, anything that's a challenge, anything that's unfamiliar, anything that God might lead me that may have a probability I might fail, without knowing what His purpose and greater story is, I will, I will lose the opportunity to be this person God's calling me to be. And now lastly... Truth about excuses is excuses train me to be deceitful. Because an excuse for us, what's it meant to do? If somebody challenges me some way and I come up with a reason why not, what, what are excuses created to do? Help me survive. And if the first excuse doesn't get me that attention and get me that accomplished, I find that I'm often tempted to make another one. And the further I make excuses, the further from the actual truth I end up walking. Now listen, some of you are getting kind of nervous as you're looking back at me. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about my testimony in my life. If God is speaking to you somehow, that's between you and Him. So you don't have to look at me like, when are you going to be done? I'm just... I'm just telling stories. I'm just reading God's Word and testifying to you how one imperfect person is trying to manage this walk with God today. Maybe it'll speak to you. My question to you then today is, how are you tempted to trump opportunities, even trump God, through the phrases and the words that others direct 
that often direct, I should say, your thinking. When you came in today, I'm sure you stared at my brother back here awful strange when he said, Hey, pick a card. Would you pull that card out now, wherever you have that uh, stashed away? And I'm going to ask him to walk in the back here. And if you don't have a playing card, would you raise your hand? And my brother here in the back will make sure and get you one. But pull that card out. I have one right here. And... uh, uh, we're going we're gonna to use this game as maybe uh, uh, something to take with us today. I would like for you to take a moment. Here's some instructions. At the end of your pew and the, in the aisle, there are some Sharpie markers, if you would access those now. And I'm going to ask you to take a card, a trump card, a playing card, and I'm going to ask you to write, what are the phrases, what are the frequent trumps or thoughts that challenge your thinking when you're in a situation or you're in trouble. And I'm going to ask you to write them on this card right now. Would you go ahead and start? Uh, You can access the pins, as I said, right down the aisles, I think, on all the rows. And if you don't have a card, raise your hand, and our brother in the back will make sure you have one. But I want you to take one and go, what are the often phrases that run through your mind when you're in a situation that maybe even God has led you to, but you're trying to get out of. I'm too old. I'm too young. I've never done that before. I don't like that. That makes me uncomfortable. Uh, whatever that might be. I've never done that before. Take your card in hand. I'll give you just a few minutes here and just start writing. What are those? You're not turning these into pastor or anything. Some of you are looking at me like, why? What's this for? Uh, I actually am going to challenge you to do what I've done. And I have mine in my wallet. I carry it with me every day. It's kind of getting beat up now. I actually got the ace of spades. And it's a reminder of what unconscious excuses I've decided to use in any situation where I might fail. Or I'm uncomfortable. Would you take a moment? You can stop looking at me now. Just start writing. This is just for you to keep with you. So I can be reminded, what do I usually go to? What do I usually lean to? What do I acquiesce to any time I am challenged? I'll give you about another 30 seconds. Just write them down quick. You don't even have to think about this, do you? I mean, they're right at the top of our mind. Anytime we're uncomfortable, just write them down for yourself so that you can be reminded. My son, uh, my oldest son is uh, 30 years old this year. He is a corporate chaplain for a chicken company. We call him the chicken chaplain. He works for Simmons Foods in northwest Arkansas, and he's been there since he was 23. So he's been there seven years. And when he was challenged with this exercise... He wrote on here, uh, I'm only in my 20s. Because anytime somebody challenged him, he always went back to, well, I'm I'm just in my 20s. It was not only an excuse, but it was a reason for him. And it held him back until he turned 30. And he came to our house. Actually, we went to South Dakota on a pheasant hunt about two weeks ago. And he brought that card with him and he ripped it in half. And he goes, I need a new card. How come? He goes, I can't use that excuse anymore. I'm only in my 20s. He goes, all the people that I work with, he has two employees that are also chaplains. One is in his 60s. One is in his 70s. And he's 23 years old. 
And he said, I've used this excuse for seven years and I can't use it anymore. I need a new card. How many of you today, whatever's written on that card, that just keeps you from fulfilling the person, the man or the woman God calls you to be. In your notes quickly as we close, there is a level of thinking that describes what leads us to these excuses. I call them lower level criteria. These sound like what I like, what I'm most comfortable with, shying away from challenge of any kind where I might have a chance to fail for sure, and seeing challenge or change as a threat to who I am. That's what we're going to call a lower level of criteria of thinking. It's easy thinking. It doesn't take any effort at all to think this way. But God comes along and He goes, I have a whole different way I want you to think. I want you to have questions in your consciousness constantly like, well, what is God trying to draw out of me through this? To how can I serve Christ and represent Him well through my reactions and my words? And three, how might God use this situation in my life if I were to actually allow it? See, friends, God's wisdom is the ultimate power play. It overarches and overcomes any excuses that you and I might come up with. Psalm, uh, uh, David wrote in this incredible word, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice, and the earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. That powerful God is available to you and I. Friends, let's you and I not be people who find the easiest excuse possible. But let's be people who turn to the power that made the starry heavens to encourage us and lead us. In Matthew chapter 1, we read the story of the servants who were given some talents and skills and asked to go invest them. And we know the story well. Two or three of them did. And the last one did not. And the, God, and the Lord had a word for that one servant. Who did. He said well done. Good and faithful servant. Well done. I wonder one day when God looks at the way that you have invested the life you have been given. Will the Lord turn to you one day and say well done. Or will he say well I guess you're done. I encourage you today, don't let any excuse that helps you survive stand in the way of God's vision for you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this encouraging word today. Sometimes the unconsciousness of our thoughts lead us away from you. They don't lead us to courage. They don't lead us to strength. They don't lead us to faith. They lead us to acquiescing, to fear, to giving in. And God, you have so much more. (laughs) You have so much more for us. And I pray for these dear people today, God, under Pastor Neil's leadership and through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, God, that you would would just anoint their thoughts and their efforts, that you would uh, lead us to a higher level of criteria of thinking when it comes to how to accept change and newness from you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.